It is Tuesday, April the 21st, and we're studying 2 Peter, and we're still in chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1. We're looking at verse number 19. Look at the screen here with me. We've got the context. Remember, we've been talking about the transfiguration that Peter, James, and John were a part of. Talked about hearing that uh, that voice from the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Uh, and he says, we ourselves, we talked about the importance of that apologetically, heard this very voice from heaven for while we were with him on the holy mountain. Now here's our verse for today, verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Let's just take that much today. And that particular verse, as you can see, just by my reading it, is filled with poetic language, is it not? We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. It's as to that. Of course, it's not that. It's propositional revelation and it's truth in black and white. Uh, until the day dawns, here we're talking about something prophetic in the future, and the morning star rises in your hearts. I mean, it really gets flowery there. But first, we've got to figure out what this first phrase is all about. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Now, the question in this text is, what are we talking about? Is it that this transfiguration here made this prophetic word more firm? And how do you make something more firm? If it's firm, it's firm. So what are we dealing with here? I think the... Uh, actual sequence of, um, of, of words in the Greek text are helpful in this, in this case. The word itself made firm is a comparative. It's made more firm. That's how it's translated in our text because it's helpful in that regard to know that we're dealing with some kind of comparative and we're trying to figure out how, what, the, what is that compared to. Well, what it's compared to is clearly the context here of the voice that they heard from heaven and he's trying to say, well, there's something else. There's a prophetic word. There's something written down that makes this more firm than me telling you I heard a voice uh, at a mountain in, in, in wherever that mountain was. As we talked about, it's not sure where that mountain was, that the Mount of Transfiguration. But is, is this testimony about them hearing a voice that said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, is, is that is firm? Is being able to open the Bible and read Micah 5.2 that says that uh, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem? Well, one is more sure than the other, and I think that's the point here. It's not like we have the word more certain because we heard the voice. It's that we have a more certain word. Now, literally in Greek, it is we have more firm, a comparative verb, the prophetic word. We've, we've got a more sure prophetic word, which is not because of that, but in comparison to that. And I think that's a helpful way for us to think about the Bible. Matter of fact, a couple of passages here that I just want to emphasize. Anytime I can talk about the importance of, of Scripture, I want to do it, uh, as you would think, as the pastor of Compass Bible Church. Uh, here is Paul telling Timothy, he says, continue on what you've learned. There's a body of information here and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with, here it is, the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Of course, they all speak about Christ. All scripture, tagraphe, the, the Old Testament scriptures are in view here, uh, is breathed out by God. And, and that's such a helpful way to put it, because a lot of translations will use the old uh, word inspired. Uh, all scripture is inspired by God. And the problem with that is the word inspired means so many different things today than it did back when the original 
uh, Tyndale translation and then the King James version and then almost every subsequent version since kept translating it inspired. Now, inspiro in Latin means to breathe out. And this word here, uh, uh, nusta, the, the word that translates a compound word, theonustas, is God breathed it out. And so it's like a word on paper that God spoke. That's the picture. All scripture is breathed out by God. And of course, it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, which I hate to go through those so fast, but it's stuff I should learn. It's the things that can point out uh, wrong in my life. It can direct me in the right way, correction, and it should train me. It should be the training manual for doing what is right so that I, as a person who is following God, a man of God, can be complete and equipped for every good work. I get all that I need from the scripture, God's word. So the prophetic word, that's what we're talking about. And the reason prophetic is so important is because so much of what they experienced in seeing Christ come to Bethlehem and then to Galilee and then to Jerusalem and to die outside the city gates is all predicted in scripture. Look at this passage in Isaiah chapter 48. Uh, and it's very biting, indicting passage. It says, the former things I declared to you. Okay. I declared of old. I declared them a long time ago. And they went out from my mouth and I announced them. And then suddenly I did them and they came to pass. I am, God is trying to say, through the prophets, of course, giving you information about the future. He says, because I know that you're obstinate. You're looking for any way out, and your neck is an iron sinew, and your forehead is brass. You've got this rebellion, and you don't want to listen, and here I'm giving you something that's undeniable. He says, I declared them all this information about things that came to pass. I declared them to you from of old. Before they came to pass, I announced them to you. Lest you should say, my idol did them, my carved image, my metal image commanded them. No, I gave you this in the scripture. And Isaiah, of course, is prophesying after many years after uh, Moses had given us the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, which spoke of the coming Messiah. It spoke even in the uh, book of Deuteronomy about the exile that was coming upon Israel. And so we look back and see all the things that we see about the uprising of the prophet Christ who would come, not just the prophet, but the priest and the king, and fulfill all Old Testament prophetic promises. But also here is Isaiah going, you know that the things that are happening to us now as Babylon is, is, is uh, fomenting a kind of uh, assault on Israel, you know all of that has been predicted in Scripture, which it is. Not only that they would go to exile, but that they would be punished and come back from exile, which hadn't happened yet when Isaiah was writing these things. Look at Isaiah chapter 46, just another passage, just to, to pile on the fact that God wants to say, you can't wiggle your way out of this. The prophetic word should be absolutely firm in your mind, more firm than someone coming and saying, I heard a voice from heaven, which is great and it's true. And we got multiple witnesses that said it. And Peter's trying to say, we were eyewitnesses of it. But something more than that is the written word. He says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. Declaring the end, what happens at the end. And I did that from the beginning. Things that are going to happen, I told you ahead of time. From ancient times, which back in that day was 1445 BC when they came out of Egypt, and Moses penned the, the Pentateuch soon after that. He says, things not yet done. They hadn't happened yet. I saying, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish. And that's the point. He's sovereign. He can do whatever he chooses. He can lay out a plan and then accomplish it. My purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east, which is definitely happening there. The bird of prey was coming to punish Israel. And, and that was the foreign armies. The man of my counsel from a faraway country. I have spoken 
and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. The prophetic nature of Scripture is so important. It is the thing that makes us confident that Christ is the Messiah, that Christ is the person that we should have been awaiting. It's about reading and understanding the prophetic word of Scripture. We have a prophetic word, and it's more fully confirmed than anything that might be confirmed by me telling you I heard a voice from heaven. And Christ appears, and he says, you should have known it. And just looking at the coming of Christ, uh, the birth in Bethlehem. Take a look at this passage in Matthew chapter 16. If Remember, these are Pharisees and Sadducees, and they should know the scriptures, right? They're teachers of the Bible. Uh, and, and they came to test him and asked him to show them a sign from heaven. Well, tell me that you're the Messiah. Well, he's already been known to do the things that Isaiah said the Messiah would do. And just like Jesus reminded Peter of, I'm sorry, uh, John the Baptist of when he was in prison, remember? And nevertheless, he says, he answered them. When it is evening, you say, well, it'll be fair weather uh, for the sky is red, right? Red skies at night. And in the morning, it'll be a stormy day because the sky is red and threatening. That's the old sailor's line, right? Red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky in morning, sailors take warning. It's just that, I mean, you can read the sky, you can read the clouds, you can get a sense of what the weather's going to be. He says, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times, which according to Daniel chapter 9 and Isaiah 53 and so many things in the Bible that talked about the coming of the Messiah and Malachi, the idea of the forerunner coming in, in, in John the Baptist. He said, it's an evil and adulterous generation, like that iron bronze forehead, the sinews of iron in your neck. He says, you're stubborn. You're seeking a sign. You want some kind of further confirmation. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. There's one more sign coming. It's clear, and that's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Look at John chapter 5 here. Do not think that I'll, I will accuse you to the Father, for there is one who accuses you. He's talking to the leaders again of Israel. Moses, right? The writings of Moses. It now is 1,450 years before uh, this conversation, long before that. He says, on whom you've set your hope, you keep quoting the Bible. For if you believed Moses, you studied the prophetic word, you would believe me because he wrote of me. That's what the Bible is telling us about, the coming of the Messiah. But you do not believe his writings. That's the thing, right? How are you going to believe my words? I'm fulfilling all of this. So important for us to see we have a prophetic word and it is sure. And we ought to, as our text says, it says you ought to pay attention to it. We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you would do well to pay attention. It's kind of a soft rebuke, right? It's an exhortation at least. You, you need to listen to this. Um, you cannot take any prophetic statement of scripture you know, I cannot take scripture that is punctuated by and, you know, given the imprimatur, the signature of God by those prophetic promises and disregard it uh, without consequence. And, and that was warned from the very beginning. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 18. This is, again, these are the, this is the books of Moses. Moses is writing, looking forward to the fact that there's going to be a prophets coming like Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah and all the rest. And the idea here is you've got nations that you're going to dispossess here in Canaan. And they listen to fortune tellers and diviners. Now, that's not what we're all about. We're not going to do that. You're not going to sit down and have someone tell your fortune. But as for you, here's the contrast. The Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. For the Lord your God will raise up something different than diviners and fortune tellers who are never 100% right. Matter of fact, they're often wrong. They're good guessers at best. They're usually very creative con men who love to state things in ways that get you to believe they know something when they, in fact, don't. Anyway, he says, I'm going to raise up a prophet like me 
He says, from among you, from among your brothers, and you shall listen to him just as you desired, it says here, of the Lord at Horeb, right? On the day of the assembly, that's what the giving of the Ten Commandments, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see a great fire anymore lest I die. I can't have God directly talking to us. That's what the people cried out there at the foot of the mountain. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken, right? You're right. If there was no intermediary here, perfectly holy God with sinful people, we would have a problem. You would be consumed. But I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak them to all. That is the picture of the prophetic word. It's written down for us. We have it in black and white. That's the firm word. It's more firm than someone coming on the scene saying, I heard the voice of God. You would do well to pay attention to it. It's like a lamp shining in a dark place. Certainly reminds me of a verse I hope you learned as a kid, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Which, by the way, reminds me of our church theme verse here. Let me get artsy on you here. Look at this. That's a really ugly circle, but there it is. Psalm 43.3. It's a beautiful verse, and, and it's poetic, just like our passage is getting here. Peter is getting poetic. Send out your light and your truth. That's the picture, illuminating truth. right? And that we have in black and white, so all we have to do is proclaim it. We need to teach it. We need to preach it. Let them lead me. That needs to be my governing compass in life. Let them bring me to, to God, to his holy hill and to your dwelling. You want to know God, you got to know his word. You're not going to sit on the rock and just wait to hear his voice. The reality of the Bible is we have a more prophetic or a more sure rather word, the prophetic word that is written to us. And this is why this is our theme verse at Compass Bible Church. Send out your light and your truth. That needs to be the proclamation of God's prophetic word and let them lead me and guide me to God. A lamp shining in a dark place. And then it gets very poetic at the end. Until the light dawns, look at the last phrase, and the morning star rises in your hearts. Christ here called the morning star. We could talk about uh, the passage in Isaiah 14 later. Maybe we should, the Hebrew text there. But right now I want to tell you about this This poetic way to talk about something happening in your hearts at the dawning. And the dawning is always an eschatological dawning that chapter 3 talks about when Christ returns. Let me just give you a couple verses here that remind us of how different it's going to be when Christ appears and something dawns in your heart. Uh, Look at this. He says, now, Paul says, we see in a mirror dimly. Yeah, we do have a relationship with God, but it's a fuzzy one. But then, he says, it's going to be face to face. I know in part Uh, But then I shall know fully, even as I've been fully known. Of course, God fully knows me. One day I'm going to fully know him. Or how about this? 1 John chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called right now children of God. And so we are right now. We're kids of God. The reason the world does not know us is because it didn't know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And that's true right now. What we will be, though, in the future has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. That's the reality and hope of the Christian life. One day I'm going to see him face to face, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. So purify your heart today. The light of the prophetic word is in your heart. Let it be uh, fanned into a flame, and then recognize it's nothing compared, no matter how diligent you are to love God's word and love the God of the Bible. One day Christ is going to be known by you in a way that you can't possibly imagine. So Keep studying the Word. Study the Word with us tomorrow on Wednesday. We'll continue in 2 Peter chapter 1. Comment, subscribe, and we'll see you again tomorrow. 